You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, please. We're going to James chapter 4, and I'd like to preach a uh, message that uh, the Lord has uh, laid on my heart. It's been on my heart for some time, but uh, James chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse number 4, and I'd like for you to follow along, if you would, as we read the scriptures together. It starts off in verse number 4. It's pretty, uh, pretty intense, and it's pretty uh, pointed because James is writing to these Christians and he tells them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, ye are adulterers and adulteresses. Wow. Now, he's not talking about committing a a physical adultery uh, with a, a couple and with a husband and wife, but what he's talking about is he's talking about spiritual adultery. God's people had committed idolatry and spiritual adultery against God. He said, know ye not, verse 4, that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the what? Enemy of God. Do ye think that the scriptures saith in vain, the spirit dwelleth in us, lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the who? The humble. Verse number seven, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Hallelujah for that promise. Uh, You make the first move. God's ready, and God is willing to be close to you, but he's waiting for you to draw nigh to him. And when you make that first move, God will come the distance. He will meet you, and he will come to you. Verse number uh, 8. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Verse 11, speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law but a judge. Lord, I pray you'd help us as we look at your word and as we consider some very serious, very serious uh, subjects tonight. God, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you'd fill me and may the message, may it be a help, may it be an encouragement. Lord, as we are in our last service under the tent, we want to stop and we want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your blessings uh, through this time. Lord, you've been so good. But Lord, as we get ready to go back into our auditorium for every service now, Lord, we don't want to go back in the same. We don't want to go back into just the status quo. We don't want to go back into a a lukewarm, casual Christianity. But Lord, as we've had this summer revival, and as we've seen you do some great things in these past weeks and months, God, I pray that we would take that with us into the building. I pray that there would be a a new and a fresh zeal for the things of God. 
I pray there would be a fire that would burn in the pulpit, in the pews. I pray every Sunday school teacher, God, would have your filling. I pray that every worker and every, uh, uh, every member and every attendee and every person, Lord, that comes in that building and every person that listens by way of radio or, or watches by way of Internet, God, I pray that there would be something special. I pray there would be something new and afresh as we get back into our building for our services. I pray you continue to protect us, keep us safe and healthy and strong. May we not be affected by this virus. I thank you for how you've protected our county and our city and our area. God, you've been so good. And I pray that you would now bless our church in the days ahead. I pray that you'd help me tonight as I share these truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I like to preach to you on a message, and I don't want you to tune me out when you hear the title. Because uh, I'll admit, uh, this, this title, I've chosen it because it's the it's the idea I want to portray but not in the way you think I might want to portray it the message tonight is very simple I'd like to preach about a new normal now I'll be honest with you I'm about tired about uh, of hearing some of this stuff uh, on the news and all that about a new normal but the Bible tells us in 2nd Corinthians 5 that when you and I get saved the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a, what kind of creature? A new creature. The Bible says, old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. I want to talk to you about that word new, but I also want to talk to you about the word normal. Did you know that a normal Christian, a normal Christian ought to be reading their Bible every day? That ought to be normal. Sometimes we'll look at somebody and we'll say, wow, that person, they are, they are on fire for God because they, here you go, they go to church. <laughs> they read their Bible because they pray, uh, because they, they tell somebody about Jesus and we say, wow, what happened to that person? What I want to say is what happened to the rest of us? That ought to be the normal Christian life. I've got a book in my office I've, I've started reading, and, and, and it, it, the name of the book is The Normal Christian Life. And you know what that book talks about? It talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It talks about crucifying the flesh. It talks about living righteously and godly and holy. And as a Christian, that ought to be the norm. That ought to be what every one of us strives for every single day. A normal Christian ought to read their Bible. A normal Christian ought to pray. A normal Christian just ought to go to church and ought to be a witness and ought to give and ought to serve God. That ought to be normal in our Christian lives. You see, when you got saved, it wasn't just a new mindset. It wasn't just a new philosophy or a new set of ideas. But when you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God moved inside of you and what, what used to be the old is passed away and all things are become new. As Christians, we need a new normal. We're getting ready to go back into our auditorium for Sunday services, and we've been out of the building. I told you this morning, 13 Sundays counting today. But may we go back, not, not casual, not lukewarm, but may we go back with a fire and a zeal for the things of God. Let me say by introduction, of course, you know this. I don't have to say it, but uh, I'm not a doctor. Many of you are in the medical field and you know much better about these things, but we've heard them. Uh, I've heard them so many times because I've tried to listen to most of the uh, governor's uh, uh, press conferences, but they talk about the three W's. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about, the three W's? The first W is you wash your hands. Now, you know what's scary to me is that some people did not know that before COVID-19. But I know some people did not know that before COVID-19. Joanna, I didn't even, I was going to ask you about this, but I thought if I asked you about it, you might tell me not to tell it, so I didn't ask you about it. But I remember we were, we were traveling with a singing group years ago uh, in a, a state out in the Northwest. Let me tell you what state it is. But we were in a, uh, a church on a Sunday morning, and in that Sunday morning, we came in for Sunday school, and they, they, I think they had the, the group sing a couple songs. And then we all just sat in a row, and there weren't a lot of people in the auditorium. Uh, and the teacher that was teaching, bless his heart, it wasn't that interesting, uh, but, you know, you try to listen, you try to pay attention. But while he was teaching, we, we couldn't help but notice, sitting across from us in that auditorium of the, the Sunday school hour, there was a gentleman, uh, he was not a kid, it was not a teenager, he was an adult, and he was sitting there, and he brought a book. It wasn't the Bible. He brought a book. I guess he thought, hey, if I'm going to be bored, I might as well have something good to do. And so he's flipping through the pages of that book. He's just having the time of his life. Well, while he's flipping through that book, every so often he takes a break uh, to stick his finger up his nose. And it wasn't once. It wasn't twice. It wasn't five times. It wasn't 10 times. It wasn't 20 times. It was more times than we could count. Every time you looked over, he was either flipping a page or he was digging for gold. I mean, just every time. And we are all just, you know, you're trying to pay attention, and the lesson's not that interesting anyway, and you're trying not to, like, notice this, and then you're trying not to be grossed out by this. And then, I, and we thought, we thought that everybody in our row saw it, but apparently not everybody saw it. Because handshaking time came along, and we are watching in horror as one of the members of our group, trying to be friendly, just trying to be nice, proceeds to walk over to that gentleman and stick her hand out. And, and we are, ah! and as soon as she got back, we said, you go to the restroom and you wash your hands right now. We're not even going to let you sit in the row with us until you wash your hands. But I thought everybody knew that you're supposed to wash your hands, but apparently not, so that's one. you got to wash your hands. The second thing is they, they say that you need to wear a, uh, a face covering, and uh, maybe some of you are saying, well, I've seen some people in my days that they probably should wear a face covering, you know. Um, brother, um, brother Alvin Martinez, you remember Brother Alvin Martinez? He was with us last year and sang he and his wife and their, and their daughter. But I don't know what it is about Brother Alvin Martinez. He is a sweet guy. He is just a kind, just a jolly guy. But he scares children. It's just something about it. And uh, we used to laugh. So I don't know. Maybe some people need a mask. I don't know. Maybe that's it. And then the third thing is uh, you're supposed to wait six feet apart, right? That's the third W. And um, there are some people out there, and you know this is true, there are some people that they don't give you six inches of space when they come to talk to you. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, the people that get in your personal space? And uh, it reminds me of the, uh, the, the preacher that he was preaching. He said, somebody came up and was right in my face and said, you know me, do you, know, do you remember my name? Do you know who I am? And the preacher said, well, he said, uh, I don't recognize the face, but the breath is familiar, you know? 
But those are the three W's that we have heard and heard and heard. And of course, I'm not a doctor. Um, and I'm not claiming medically to know all the ins and outs of what we should do. But I'll tell you this, as citizens, uh, I don't believe uh, that we need to wear masks and social distance for the rest of our lives. Um, if you have an immune system, then you don't have to. Uh, as a citizen, I hope that's not the new normal. Uh, as a citizen, I hope the new normal is not rioting and looting and attacking police officers. Hope that's not the new normal. That's not a normal I want to be a part of. As citizens, I hope the new normal is that we love one another. I hope the new normal is that we love our country, that we pray for our president and we pray for our leaders. As citizens, I hope we'll get back to work. I hope we'll get back to school. I hope we'll get back to the things we enjoy. And as Christians, I hope and pray that we will get back to church and get back to serving God. I want to talk to you for a few moments about these guidelines that have been given to our, our state in these last uh, several months. But I want to talk to you about how these guidelines can be and should be applied to the Christian life. Number one, let's take the first guideline. The first guideline, if you look at James chapter 4, the first guideline is to wash your hands. And by the way, that's a good thing to do. And we've got hand sanitizers all over, and I, we'll probably keep them out for a long time because we want people to have clean hands. But notice what it says in James 4, verse 8. It says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Notice the command to clean our hands, but also to purify our hearts. You know what's so bad about germs? Is that the germs, they don't just stay on your hands. The germs get inside of you. And isn't it amazing how a little germ can get inside and it can affect your whole body? Isn't that amazing how one germ can even kill you? And that's why they say wash your hands because it doesn't stay on your hands. Eventually you touch your, your face and it, it gets in your nose or it gets in your mouth and that germ can cause your entire body to be sick. We live in a sinful world. I don't have to tell you that. We live in a wicked world. And if we don't wash our hands spiritually, that sin of this world, it will defile us. It'll get on the inside. It'll affect our heart. It'll affect our minds. So how do we cleanse our hands? You say, is there a special uh, hand sanitizer? Is there a special soap? Is there a, a special formula? How do we spiritually cleanse our hands? The Bible tells us that only the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin. That blood has already been shed. That blood has already been applied on the mercy seat. And that's why we must go to God. And if we confess our sins, what you're doing is you're washing your hands. You're saying, God, my hands are dirty. God, my hands are filthy. God, I've got some germs. I've got some sin. I've got some wickedness. And God, I want to get it confessed before it gets inside, before it gets worse, before it affects my body. Some have allowed the virus of sin to infect your life. There is a cure. There is a remedy for sin, and that remedy is confession. We don't confess to a man. We don't confess to a church, but we confess to God. And God has given us a mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible tells us that the water of the word, now ye are clean, John 15 says, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. 
The question is, how often should you wash your hands or how often should you use hand sanitizer? I'll say this, very often. I don't know that you could do it too much. I don't know that you could do it too often. But I want to ask you this evening, when was the last time that you washed your hands spiritually? When was the last time you confessed a sin to God? We talked this morning about Bible reading. And when was the last time you sat down with your Bible and you opened it and you read it? But when was the last time you said, God, I said this and I was wrong. God, will you forgive me? When was the last time you said, God, I did this and that was wrong. Will you forgive me? When was the last time you said, God, I thought this and that was wrong. Will you forgive me? When was the last time you said, God, I didn't do this and I should have done this. Will you forgive me? You see, we, we, we wash our hands so much and we sanitize our hands so much, but what about spiritually? I believe the new norm for the Christian is to wash our hands. The new norm is to cleanse our hearts and to cleanse our hands and to get right with God. David prayed in Psalm 51. He said, God, I want you to wash me throughly and I shall be clean. You know how children are. You tell them to wash their hands, and they think if one drop of water gets on their hands, then the hands are washed. You tell them to brush their teeth, and they think that if the toothpaste touches their tongue one, one second, you know, teeth are brushed. But you know what David said in the Bible? He said, God, I want you to wash me throughly. I want you to wash me completely. I want you to cleanse me from the inside out. Not only germs. But without washing your body, without a bath, without a shower, you begin to stink. And can I remind us tonight that sin causes us to stink. Sin causes us to stink in the nostrils of a holy God. And sin causes us to stink in our testimony to those around us. James chapter 4, verse number 8. We often skip over this part. But it says in verse 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You're not going to get very close to God. You're not going to be near and dear to God like you ought to be if you do not cleanse your hands and get right with him. Verse number nine, it says, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Confession comes with brokenness. Confession comes with seriousness. Have you ever had a child that uh, they, they, they did something to a sibling? And they did something to a sibling and you say to that child you go tell your sister or you go tell your brother I'm sorry and they go to that brother or sister and it's like pulling teeth okay fine I'm sorry there's not a whole lot of sorry going on there and can I tell you that's not the kind of confession God's looking for God's not looking for you and me to confess because we want to look good in somebody's eyes or we want to, you know, ease our conscience. God is looking for confession that is genuine. Throughout the Bible, when people got truly right with God, they wept over their sin. They were broken. They were contrite because they realized that their sin broke the heart of their heavenly Father. General William Booth, was the founder of the Salvation Army. That organization began literally like the name sounds. It was an army of soul winners 
to get the gospel, especially in the inner cities. And General Booth had a, a group of, uh, of men that were out, and they were in the midst of a revival, and they sent word back to General Booth, and they said, uh, General Booth, we're not seeing results at this particular meeting, and this particular revival, nothing's happening. And General Booth sent back rather sharply, and he sent back to those men, he said, why don't you try tears? They hadn't tried that. They tried their their messages and their outlines and their organizing and their plans and all their ideas. And the story goes on to say that when they got serious and they began to weep before God, guess what? They saw revival. You know what God's looking for? God's looking for some people that'll get right with him. God's looking for some people that will confess their sin with brokenness. And verse 10, confession comes with humility. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. As we go back into this building, I don't want us to go back into this building uh, full of sin and full of self. And I don't want us to go back in this building full of pride. And I don't want us to go back in this building thinking that we've got all the answers and that God has to bless us. I want us to go back into this building with clean hands. I want us to go back into this building with a pure heart that we come before a holy God and we remove our pride and we remove our self-righteousness. Verse number six, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. Number one, we need to wash our hands. Number two, wear a mask. You say, well, what does that have to do with the Christian life and what does that have to do with being a normal Christian? Well, notice verse number 11. The Bible says, speak not evil, one of another, brethren. I was sitting at Oscars with Brother Joe Arthur this last week. He he loves Oscars. Second Street wasn't open, so Oscars was the place we we went. We were sitting there, and we were talking about something pretty serious. And he said, Brother Jeremy... He said, we've been together a lot. And that's true. He, Brother Arthur and I, we have been together a lot. We've spent a lot of time together. And sometimes it's been with our family. And sometimes it's just been the two of us. And sometimes it's been riding down the road. And he said, I want to ask you something. He said, how many preachers have you ever heard me criticize? And I was joking with him. I pulled out my hand. I said, well, see, it was that one. And it, I, was, I was messing with him. I said, Brother Joe, I said, I've never heard you criticize a preacher. You know what he said? He said, that is a rule that I live by in my ministry. He said, I'm not going to criticize another pastor. I'm not going to criticize another preacher. You know what he's doing? He's decided he's going to wear a mask. He's decided that he's going to guard his words. He's going to guard his tongue. Uh, He's going to guard his text messages. He's going to guard the emails. He's going to guard, I don't think he has Facebook, but he's going to guard the Facebook posts. And you know what the normal Christian life is? That we are careful with what we say. Notice with me in James chapter uh, 3, one chapter ahead. The Bible says in uh, verse number uh, 1, My brethren, be not so many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Verse number 
2, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity uh, that is uh, defileth the court, uh, the co- whole, uh, defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Verse nine. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil. It is full of deadly poison. Verse ten. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Can I tell you the Christian has no business being critical of anybody. The Christian has no business gossiping about anybody. Uh, we joke, and I, I tell you all about how uh, it's, I'm, I'm amazed at how many people are related to people in this area, and I, people I never would have guessed. And I say, oh, yeah, you got to be careful who you gossip about. Well, I'll tell you the easiest way to cure that, just don't gossip. Just if you don't have anything good to say, then don't say anything at all. You see, churches have been destroyed and churches have been split. And it's not been because of doctrine in many cases. It's not because the devil crept in and worldliness crept in. And it's not because of that in many cases. But many times it's because Christians could not keep their mouths shut. I don't know where we get this idea that we think we've always got to be talking. We think if somebody says something, we've got to argue with them, or we've got to answer, or we've got to debate. Friend, I'll tell you one of the best pieces of advice I can give you. I forget what, what Bible scholar said it, but if you don't have anything nice to say, you know which Bible scholar that was from Bambi? Thumper, did you know that, Brother Nathan? Brother Nathan is on it, let me tell you. Man, you work with teenagers, and you've got to be up on that. Maybe it's Michael and Emma. But if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I know know that's revolutionary. I, I know that there's a lot of people that think if I have Facebook, then I've got to use it, and I've got to straighten out the whole world. Uh, you, you don't need to straighten out the whole world. You need to straighten up your own backyard. You need to get your own life in order. You need to get your own home in order. You need to just try to figure out uh, which way is up before you open your mouth. But may I say, Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. David said it like this, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. We must guard our mouth. Maybe when you see someone that's walking around with a mask or you see somebody that's wearing a mask, maybe that'd be a good reminder to say, how am I doing spiritually with guarding my tongue and guarding my words? You say, well, I don't know what to say to people. I'll tell you what to say. Tell them Jesus loves them. Tell them that Jesus died for them. Share the gospel with somebody. You want, you want something to say? Come out on Thursday or Saturday and, and share the gospel with somebody. Share something that could change their life for all of eternity. Number one, wash your hands spiritually. Number two, wear a mask spiritually. Number three, wait six feet apart. They say the six feet, uh, because if someone coughs or sneezes, that's uh, how far you need to be removed. And um, I'll say this, as Christians, 
there needs to be some separation in our lives. There needs to be some separation from sin. Can I tell you, it's time that we as Christians stay away from sin. Sometimes we see how close we can get. Sometimes we get so close to the edge. But the Bible tells us that we are to resist the devil. We are to resist the devil and he will flee from us. We must be separate from the world. Not verse number four, the Bible says friendship with the world is the enemy of God. Whose side are you on? It's one side or the other. Verse eight, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. There ought not be separation between you and, you and God, but there ought to be great separation between you and the world. Boy, we, we get comfortable with sin, don't we? We justify our sin. We like to, we like to use this. Well, so-and-so's doing it. Or so-and-so's watching it. Or so-and-so's listen, listening to it. Or so-and-so's wearing it. Or so-and-so's doing whatever. So therefore, well, I'm sorry. I, I missed that verse in the Bible. I missed the verse that says if somebody else is doing it, it's right for you and me. My Bible says, be ye holy, saith the Lord, as I am holy. Our standard and our guide and our manual for living is not what somebody else is doing, but our guide is what Jesus has given us in his word and what he has told us to do. God hates sin. You'll never be close to God, and I'll never be close to God until we hate sin like God hates it. If you love God like you should, and if I love God like I should, you won't have to worry about getting too close to the world. Second Timothy Paul wrote and he said Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world first John 2 the warning is given love not the world neither the things that are in the world you'll never win the battle over the flesh and I'll never win the battle over the flesh without the power of the Holy Spirit to help you to be separate from the world so well, pastor what's the big deal uh, why can't we just be like the world why can't we just why can't we just do what the world's doing well, I'll tell you why. Because the Bible tells us that sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Oh, boy, the world makes it look so good, don't they? Uh, they make it look so good, and I, I know I, I preach a lot about alcohol, but I'm going to keep preaching on alcohol till Jesus comes back. But they, they'll, they'll, they'll show you, they'll show you how, how good it is. And how much fun it is and how much you're missing out if you're not drinking it with them and how if you're not partying, boy, you're not living. But can I tell you what they don't tell you? They don't tell you the end of the story. They don't show you the people who are drunk and on the street who've lost their homes, lost their children, lost their families, and lost their health. They certainly don't show you the accidents that take place because of drunk driving. They, they, sure, they certainly don't show you the end of that. And can I tell you, that is what Satan loves to do. He loves to make sin look so good. But God knew we would need that separation. And that's why 1 Corinthians, the Bible tells us, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. As we get back into our auditorium, of course, we'll be back in Wednesday. Brother Caleb's going to be preaching. I'm looking forward to that. And next Sunday, being back in for that early service. 11 o'clock and Sunday school and Sunday night as we get back in I want us to get back to a new normal but I don't want that normal to be based upon what everybody else is doing I want that normal
to be based upon what God has told us to do and what God expects us to do and what God promises he'll bless if we will do according to his word. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.